You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. Today is going to be a fun topic. I'm here with America, and we're going to talk about I hate therapy. Also, how to get the most out of therapy. Is it not how to run out of way? From, I guess we can also talk about leaving therapy, which I feel like we have talked about that. <laughs> how to break up with the therapist. Yeah, we have talked about that. But um, I like this idea of really going into this, I would say negative space, but it's really not negative because it's the benefits of therapy are can be really good. But the process of it, I think, is the heavy part of the work, which you're just like, oh my God, I hate therapy, but I love it so much because it's doing good things for me. <laughs> yeah. Until we talked about this topic, I don't think I ever thought of looking back and saying like, when I was in therapy, did I say I loved therapy? Like never. No. I am pretty sure I said all the time, I hate therapy. <laughs> it's like exercise. I hate exercise. I hate therapy. Follow me with this train of thought, right? There are some people who love exercise. They can wake up and they can get into it and they feel that adrenaline. I don't ever go into exercise and say, I love exercise. I say, get your butt out the door. And while I'm exercising, I hate it. I can't breathe, you know, but when I'm done, that's when I look back and I say, I'm glad I did it. It was really hard, but I feel better. I completely agree with you. And and there are some people though, who, who may love therapy. But this podcast is not for them. I don't think I have had that thought when I was in therapy. And even now, well, now I'm like, oh, man, my therapist is so good. But when you walk out of a therapy session, you're just like, oh, yeah, that felt great. No, like there is a lot of emotion there. And I never walk out smiling. That's never I, I never think of a time where I'm just like, that was a fabulous little afternoon. No. I can't say that I do sometimes. If I am making the best out of therapy, I do I do start to feel like I look forward to seeing my therapist. I'm like, okay, I got to work this thing out. conversation. No, no, no. That's different. You can look forward to it completely. I can look forward to going. But what you were saying around this idea if I could somehow in in my brain get to this moment where I'm liking it to exercise and I'm like, yes, I look, I jump up and I'm ready to go and just kind of yeah. roll into that space. Yeah. That would be fabulous. I really have to talk myself into the activity because I know the benefits of it in the long run are good. Yeah. But there's that doesn't make you a bad or hateful negative person that's just reality so let's go back so today's topic is i hate therapy but originally the topic was around making the most getting the most out of therapy it's just that people probably aren't gonna google get the most out of therapy they're probably struggling with getting the most out of therapy and, and likely looking up like i hate therapy does anybody else hate therapy too and the answer is yes in some ways there, okay, so let's talk about that. There are different reasons why one hates therapy. 
The most likely reason, which is what we're not going to talk about here, is bad a bad relationship with your therapist, right? Yes, but I would even go back one step to say that it's forced upon you. Okay. That's yeah, forced the therapy worst. sucks. Yeah, beyond having a good relationship or not, when somebody's telling you, you have to do this, that's the thing that's like, no, man, I don't want to do it, you know? Yeah, it, and, it sets you up to have like a lot of defensiveness, which you already have with therapy. Yeah, totally. So if you're being forced, um, you can try to say to yourself, like, oh, we'll try to make the most out of this. But yeah, you have to actively work against that feeling that someone is forcing you to do something. And that's a, that's a lot of energy to do that, to, to go in and be in that space and be like, God, why do I have to spend my freaking time with this person? Whether they're nice or not, it doesn't matter. I just, I wouldn't want to be here out of choice. Yes. I would start there. Okay. And what do you do if you're being forced? I think you have a good recommendation. Like what can you do to make the most out of it? Sometimes it may be based on maybe some preconceived ideas about therapy, you know, that you've taken on like, no, therapy is not worthwhile. It's just, you know, a piece of crap. That's not ever going to do anything for me. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have to work to counter those ideas and give it a chance. Yeah. I also think you have to work out your fears about who your therapist might talk to, especially for kids. Mm. If your parent is forcing you to therapy, some of the therapists will say like, everything here is confidential, but I do talk to your parent. And that's like weird for a kid to hear because you're like, well, is this protected space or not? Right. So I, I think it's fair for you as a kid to say, hold on, before I talk to you at all, I want to know. I want to know what you're going to tell my parents or not tell my parents. And like, are you going to include me in that process for what, what you're going to share with my parents versus not, you know, and a good therapist will ask you, what's your relationship with your parents? Like, because I want to explore safety and concerns and trust to build trust with your, with your therapist. I think that all goes under the question of bias that you're kind of mentioning here, right? Like what your expectation of what therapy therapy is supposed to look like and whether or not that's true or not. Yeah. The other part too, um, it's not so much that it's forced upon you, like maybe through a parent or something, but even in, in a work environment or even in a relationship where maybe you have anger management issues and like, well, you have to go see a therapist to work through anger management. And you're like, I don't have anger management issues, but I may have to explore that. And you have to do it for your, for the benefit of making sure that you meet some requirements or something, which again, Try to make the best of it. Okay. Second reason why people hate therapy. They hate their therapist. Mm-hmm. Not a good, not a good relationship. This is common. I feel like we have talked about this, you know, that there's probably a 50, 50 chance you're going to hate your therapist. So when you do hate your therapist, it's okay to leave. A good therapist will actually say, Hey, we're going to give this a shot for three sessions. And if you like it, we'll keep going. But you're going to know pretty quickly when you don't. And there's no shame or no judgment. We're just going to find you someone new and move on. Yeah. In my experience, most therapists will try to move past these bad feelings and and just kind of keep working, even though the conversation doesn't flow well. 
and that may be for different reasons. You know, there's so many of them. I don't even want to go into them. But the major part of this conversation is the fact that if you do have the opportunity to say, I really don't feel comfortable here, you should do that and be open about it. That is in and of itself a process. So yes. you should expect that if you hate therapy because of your therapist, what's nice about that is it's, you know, so you can test around and go find someone. In the past, it was so much harder to find a good therapist because they didn't, there were no websites like Psychology Today or even apps like Talkspace or BetterHelp. You know, these are apps that are a little bit problematic in some ways, but what they do do that are nice is that, you know, you can find a therapist and leave a therapist pretty quickly, right? And And so... I feel like technology is helping us people who who want to find therapy to at least find a better therapist. Let me ask you a question. When you go through life, and I know you've had periods where you had a therapist you really loved, but you also had therapists that you liked enough. Yeah. I mean, I liked them enough to kind of do a couple of sessions, but not enough to... I, I stuck with them because I needed them for a short amount of time. For a reason. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's really important because that skill to understand that that's what therapy can give you takes experience. The first time I had therapy, I might stay with a therapist too long or I, I, you know, you set up this expectation that your therapy should be magical and healing or something like that. And honestly, it's just not. Sometimes a good enough therapist, just like a good enough trainer, will get you where you need to be, but you're not going to fall in love with this person. But it takes understanding that that's how you're using this person. Like you are, you are paying this individual to help you enough to get through a task, yeah. to get through a life change, to get through a decision you need to make or to process something. So, you, you know, I think sometimes we also have this, expectation that's set up by media or whatever in our brains that tells us that that therapy is supposed to be fabulous and magical but that happens like 10 percent of the time <laughs> you're lucky enough to find a therapist that gets there i do think that it is a little bit of luck to find somebody that you can really have very easygoing conversation with there are also so many different styles to therapy that once you kind of go into this down this road of kind of exploring therapy, you have to think, well, what kind of therapy do I want? And I think that comes back to the expectation. If you don't know what you really want from it, you're going to come in kind of hesitant, unsure of what it's going to feel like and what it should feel like. And, and at the end, it can really feel like it hasn't been beneficial at all because you may have had this idea, I'm going to feel so much better afterwards. I don't think I've ever felt so much better until a couple of sessions in where I can feel that the person has really heard me, has taken time to understand how my brain is processing information and how my life experience and then is kind of connected to all of that. And then they help me think through well, have you considered this? Have you thought of this? Yeah. And that really does lead us to the final space, which is 
hating therapy when you have good enough rapport and a therapist you like or a therapist you love and just the grind, the grind and the work that is therapy and then getting the most out of therapy. So how have you gotten the most out of therapy? It comes back to something we said in our in our previous episode around just kind of the idea of exploring therapy that you do have to think about what you want. Right now, what I'm thinking about is I haven't seen my therapist in a couple of weeks. And that's because my schedule hasn't really allowed for it. And similarly to like, I go to the chiropractor all the time. And I go to them because I start feeling like my back is tight and tense. And I go so they can adjust me and boom, I'm in and out. And it feels better. And I am starting to get to a place where I know that I need to go and talk to my therapist because I got to get all this stuff that's in my head out. Yeah, 100% agree. My relationship with therapy today is so different when with my relationship with therapy in my 20s because I prep now. And prep looks like I have this session. What's going on in my life? What do I need to work out? What do I want to leave today? And that changed everything because I think before... If you never learned what therapies look like, you kind of just go into it and you're a passive actor. The therapist doesn't know what you need. And then you just talk about a bunch of stuff, which feels like avoidance or cycling through nothingness or just fighting or hearing stuff you don't want to hear and don't like, which can be useful if you have the right ears for it. But if I didn't prep beforehand, I don't have the right ears for it. Yeah, I remember going into therapy before and they would be like, well, how was your day? And I'd be like, I'm not here to talk about my day. That's not useful to me. And part of that conversation was, well, tell me about some of the things that you struggled with today, which is a different question than just tell me about your day, right? Because then I could just really say, "I, I really struggled here with my mom when we were arguing about such thing. So that type of style helps you understand a little bit more about the type of interaction that you want. Do you want really some assistant that that is more pointed and guide you through these thinking patterns that you may have? Or is it more along the lines, I'm arguing with my partner every other sentence that comes out of our mouths. So I'm trying to understand what's happening which may be a longer term conversation because I would imagine there's a lot there, right? So goal setting is important. If your therapist doesn't goal set with you, I do often wonder what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is really interesting because as a therapist, I was trained and provided treatment in community mental health services. So the requirements for Medicaid, for example, are very different from the requirements for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I think this set it set up a difference between the way someone receives treatment when they have Medicaid as compared to other insurances. Because mm-hmm. as a therapist, my job in the first session was always to fill out a treatment plan. Interesting. Which required me to talk to people about why they showed up and what they want to get out of therapy and what their goals were that they were working towards in three mm-hmm. months and six months or even like three sessions. That dynamic definitely is going to change when your therapist has certain protocols that they have to follow. But it's also something that you can ask for. I don't think that many people know that you have every right to ask for these types of things. 
are we going to set goals? What type of style do you use? I really want to understand it. I've never gone to therapy, so I need your help in understanding what this could look like. And that's right. I think therapists who've only done private practice don't typically have to goal set. They're not required to. So you may have a therapist who does goal set or you have a therapist that doesn't. If you don't know to ask for goal setting, if you're a goal setting kind of person, then you never even know that that's an opportunity available to you. And you kind of get sucked up into this process where it feels like you don't know what direction you're even going or why you're there. Totally. Somebody told you you need to go to therapy. So you go to therapy and you're like, I guess I'm just going to trauma dump all my junk. But to what end? And like, what what purpose? Trauma dumping and talking about your trauma has a purpose. Learning about depression and learning to manage depression, that's what can help you. And if you feel like you hate therapy because it feels pointless, then I think kind of going back and saying, well, why did you want to start? What are you looking to accomplish? And have you had that discussion with your therapist? I would also add one one thing about getting the most out of therapy. This idea that it really has to be like this life altering thing. No, <sighs> that just it does not do therapy justice. No, therapy for me has been really helpful in just helping me to break down the consistent kind of thoughts that I have and understand where they come from in a way that. Um, helps me like stand outside of myself, right? And see myself from the outside. So it hasn't been life altering, like in all of a sudden it's like, whoa, the doors of magical spaces have opened up. Not at all. Why do we think that that should be the case? Because we, I think as people, we're solution oriented. We're just like, we want to be able to get some resolution of some kind. That's the solution that the magical experience. Yeah, because I do feel like, people play up therapy and it just it does it's not like that I agree 100% I don't as an older person if I wasn't forced into therapy and I didn't stop thinking it was magical I understood more that therapy was a practice and it's work it's more like work and exercise <laughs> I, I, I like it exercise. yeah I liken it more to exercise that yeah I keep going back to exercise because I think that it's like brain exercise it's brain health exercise is hard you can't show up to go exercise and not exercise and expect an outcome and so there's part of hating therapy because you are unlocking pain you are opening up wounds that you are making a choice now to open up or confront reality about yourself and and the way that you behave or the way that you think that you know destroys your relationships with other people and those things are like that doesn't feel good. I, I really believe that the connection that it has to physical health is an important one for people to really wrap their minds around. Like when we try to get healthier, that takes time. It requires that changes are made in our lifestyle so that we can get healthier. And that is um, therapy is just one tool that is part of this overall mind frame that is needed to help us get through that. It is not just a solution for everything. It's just one tiny aspect that helps us down this journey because then it's up to us, right? We can go and talk about whatever we need to explore, whatever we need to unearth, all this stuff. But if we don't ever take that and really learn within that space, we're not going to get anything out of it. We're just going to chalk it up to like, ah, it was an experience. 
it was all right. Nothing really happened. Yeah. Which is okay as well. If that's where you're at, that's where you're going to get. It does make me mad. I've had a couple of friends or family members tell me about their therapeutic experience and they had been with a therapist for two years. I was finally catching up with them or something and they were like, oh, I've never talked about that part of my life. And I almost wanted to be, I almost wanted to say like, what was, why didn't your therapist ask, you know? So whose fault is it when you know that there's a major precipitator in your life that contributes to your depression and anxiety? And I can tell that there are some times when I'm in therapy, I am actively choosing to avoid and not disclose something. I have done that as an adult because I, I notice when I go into therapy and I share people, share with my therapist about my childhood experience, then they want to make everything about that. Mm, okay. Instead of saying like, actually, I'm coming to therapy right now because I need you to help me with this life decision. And I mm-hmm. need a, a sounding board to work through, you know, the pros and the cons and like where my brain is getting scrambled up. And if I talk about childhood, then they, they, they just only want to talk about that because they're comfortable with it. Or like I said, I've talked to friends who probably the therapist should have asked a little bit to broach the subject of, you know, what do you think contributes to your depression or anxiety that's outside of things that we've just discussed? If you feel like they're stalling or if there's, if you feel like there hasn't been progress, something needs to be shaken up. And and I've had friends who go uh, pay $250 a week to go see a therapist for two years plus and have zero progress. And as a therapist, I'm like, why? What are right. you doing? Are you just paying that person because it's comforting and you just want to, okay, then great. Then you know, that's the case, but you're not making progress because I think that therapy, therapy should feel like you're making some progress. Otherwise, what's the actual point? Totally. I believe that if you've gotten to this place where you're asking yourself, is anything happening? Am I getting anything out of this? Then it's an important question and you have to ask yourself some harder questions about why is it the therapist relationship? Is it the fact that you had different ideas around what this could look like? Or do you need meds? Possibly. Or even like the the idea, like I thought that I needed this, but I don't really think I need this at all because I haven't gotten anything out of this. That's meaningful to my life. I had a friend well, there were friends there. There were a couple that came to me and said, you know, we're really struggling in our relationship. I think we should maybe go to therapy. I was like, I, lo- I think it's a great option for you. They went in the middle of therapy. They looked at each other. We're like, no, we don't belong here. Yeah. And they ended the session. And when they came back and told me, I was like, what happened? They're like, it was, it just felt so not like who we are. So, and we felt we could do it on our own. I was like, you have more power to you, you know? Yeah. Totally. And and that is why I, I love that you're ending on this because I think that healing practices are diverse. And what we in America have been told is that to heal from a mental illness, there's only one way. Mm-hmm. And I think human beings find a lot of different ways to heal. Definitely. Sometimes it's as simple as finding a friend who you have a meal with and a space to share. Or like a lot of people don't go to therapists because they have a religious community or a really close friend that they're able to act as a sounding board to work out those things. As long as you're working out those things, mm-hmm. that means that that friend has been therapeutic for you. Yes. And I think that's really important because the goal is just to heal. The goal is to be a better version of yourself or to work out something that is stuck or damaging in your life. And we come full circle, like in order to get the most out of therapy, you have to know where you're heading and are you going to hate it? Yeah, 
it sucks. <laughs> it's, it's painful and healing all the same time. Um, but it's not easy and it's going to feel hard. Yeah. But, uh, find, find the right person that you could tolerate reasonably <laughs> or even like enough. I'll say when I'm going to therapy and I know it's going to be short term and by short term, I mean three months or less, I can tolerate a therapist that I don't get along with as much because I know I just want to get to my end goal. I will not pick a therapist. I know I hate even for a three month stint because I will not want to talk to that human being. Oh, completely. But rarely do I find somebody I really love. And I have to do that hard work of finding somebody that I can just trust and be open with. If I'm working through the hardest work, Mm -hmm. my trauma work, for example, or, or really distress work, like couples therapy, you have to find a therapist you like enough to be honest with them. Totally. I would say um, in terms of my final thought, if you start thinking about the fact that you may hate therapy and you've never really tried it and had goals in mind, try it again. See if it's a better fit by refining some of your ideas around it. Especially if you like your therapist enough. I have one thought to just tell folks. Teresa and I are going to be taking a little break. So we have two guest co-hosts that are going to be joining you for a couple of sessions. You've heard them before on the podcast. Their names are David and M. So they'll be here for the next couple of weeks and continue to reach out to us at podcast at mhanational.org. And we'll be back. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Keep on fighting in the open. Bye.